The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So imagine you go to sell your house and you discover that because you have a low BER rating that the person going to buy your house is going to have to pay more in stamp duty. Will that affect your ability to sell your house? Imagine that you're going to actually buy the house and you suddenly discover that despite the fact that you might actually have a lot of work that you're going to have to do to bring the house up to standard, that you're going to be paying higher stamp duty before you ever start spending the money on that work. We have two guests with us. Uh, Margie McCarthy is SEIA research and policy worker and we have Jennifer Whitmore from the Social Democrats Environment Spokesperson. What do you make of that idea, Jennifer, if I start with you, that you could be punished on a BER rating by higher stamp duty on a transaction? Look, I, I think, to be honest, um, that it is way too early in, in the sort of retrofitting um, journey to, to be talking about that kind of punitive measure. I think what we need to be looking at is supporting people and families make the retrofitting, uh, you know, to, to help them actually pay for that retrofitting so that they can get it done. Because, um, you know, I know Margie's going to be talking uh, and the SEI have come out with a study today that looked at all the barriers um, as to why people aren't retro- retrofitting. And one of the main barriers is actually the cost of doing the retrofitting. So I think, you know, if government is looking at any proposals along these lines, they actually should be looking at how to make it more uh, financially feasible for people. And the grant scheme that the government has in place is not doing that for people. And I think that needs to be the first place that they look. So more carrot than stick, but at present you feel the carrots are not attractive enough. Absolutely. And I think the proof is in the pudding, Matt. I mean, when you look at the number of upgrades um, and the SAI had a report out this week um, on this as well. When you look at the number of retrofitting that that is happening, um, it is not happening quick enough. The government has made a commitment for 500,000 homes to be retrofitted to be two standard by 2030. And there has only been um, 18,000 done so far. So they've only hit 3.7% of their target. Last year they did 8,500, the year before 4,500, when in actual fact the government needs to be doing 60,000 a year. So I think it is clear that, uh, you know, that, that they are not making the inroads that they need to be making. And I think really we need to be assisting people to make these changes. There is no one I believe that if you were asked any single person in the country, did they want their home to be warmer, more efficient, cheaper to run, they would all say yes. So this is something that people would want to do. So so what the government should be looking at is, well, how can we actually help that? How can we make that happen rather than penalise people who uh, don't have the finances to do it currently? Margie McCarthy from the SEIA, why are the numbers of retrofits so low? Well, thanks, Matt. Um, I suppose uh, in relation to some of the recommendations you spoke about, I'll, I'll speak to that in a minute. In relation to the numbers, uh, as Deputy Wibbenor just referred to, we, we published a report on the retrofit programme only this week, and we achieved the targets that had been set out for 2022 in that we achieved the energy upgrades number um, and we almost doubled the number of uh, homes um, being upgraded to BRB2. So what I would say is that where we're at is at the start of the journey, we have a significant uptick to do and that's what we're looking at behavioural insights like the report we produced today to try and address. So 
we have a new target of 37,000 upgrades for 2023. That's another significant number, and that will have a major hockey stick upscale as we move towards the, the middle and, and end of the decade. And we need to hone in on absolutely everything that can help us to facilitate and enable and support homeowners all over the country to make this journey. And the publication that came out today around the behavioural insights shows a whole range of potential solutions for consideration. One, one of those is in the area instead of BER and stamp duty, but there are a whole range of them that we need to consider in, in broader context. Well, well come mean, back to the stamp duty one for me. Why does it make sense to charge somebody additional stamp duty to buy a second-hand home if they're going to have to spend considerable amount of money on upgrading a property that the previous owners haven't done? I think what's important, uh, Matt, is that in the this was a behavioural review of, uh, I suppose, what's working across other countries and trying to bring it into an Irish context. It wasn't pointing at all of those specific recommendations that we move on them immediately. There are things that we can move on much quicker, like normalising retrofit. Um, we've seen the way in which solar panels have been uptaken in neighbourhoods once your neighbour and other people that you know and trust start to install that kind of technology, it takes off. And and so one of the recommendations out of this report was to try and normalise it in people's lives. So, so they're seeing retrofit as part and parcel of how our energy journey will be, how we'll live in our homes, how they'll be more comfortable, as was referred to earlier. Um, That's a a more simpler first step forward. There are other steps in there around how do we improve skill sets. One of the biggest challenges for for retrofit is ensuring we have the skills to be able to deliver the retrofit numbers. And I'm speaking at the SEI Energy Show today, um, and we're seeing awards for people offering training for the very many people working in in the construction industry who could reskill into the area of retrofit and and putting in installing renewables like heat pumps these are all parts of the puzzle and they're things that are coming out as recommendations in this report you see margie you've put your finger on a couple of things there that i'd imagine are very relevant to listeners where do you actually find somebody to do the retrofit for you who's qualified to do it? How can you be confident that they will do it at a fair price? And then how confident can you be that you will get a return on your investment, particularly as most people will go to, will have to go and borrow the money to do the work? So that's, that's certainly something that's uh, being catered for and need the, the publication that came out today has more recommendations out. So things that create barriers for us or, as you said, lack of awareness of what's available. And then when you go to actually find out, is a difficulty in navigating the large number of options. So there are certainly things that we can, we have been working on and we've seen, a, I think it's a, an applica- uptick in applications in SAI for retrofit by 140%. So we've certainly seen people are navigating and they're getting in and they're getting the information and acting. But there's more that we can do about that. Um, we've seen some of the financial offerings out there by, by banks, by post office, by credit unions, having calculators in there that give you an indication of if you go for a certain um, a certain retrofit aspect, maybe it's insulation, maybe it's the heat pump, and maybe it's your doors and windows. How much that cost will be to you? How much you can uh, you can uh, borrow, and then how long it will take to pay that back? The important thing is, as well in behavioural sides, is the first decision is the financial bit. 
But the real benefit when people get through and, and they have the retrofit complete is the comfort and well-being that they have in their homes. And that, that is something that's certainly coming out in behavioral studies and something we need to get across to people more. That's a key part of why you should go ahead with your home energy upgrade. Because how many of our homes are actually energy inefficient because they were built so many years ago? We have a very broad range of homes in BER ratings um, and we have quite a heavier heat demand in, in Ireland. It's still very reliant on fossil fuels, for example. So uh, a lot of our rural homes are very dependent on oil heating. Some of those are actually very uh, ready for heat pumps and we've been trying to create better awareness amongst those homeowners that moving directly onto a heat pump is, is going to be a, a change for them. For us, it's and for nationally, it's it's about reducing our energy emissions, but for them, this is a cost-effective and um, energy-secure way of heating their homes. Jennifer Whitmore, one of the fears that some people have in relation to building enough houses, new houses and apartments as we need, is that there simply aren't enough workers, construction workers, available to do so. So does it make more sense to put the people that we have into building new homes for the obvious need that's there rather than reallocating them into things like retrofitting one house or one apartment at a time? I do I do think that's a concern. And I suppose when we look at, you know, having the staff that are needed to do this, what I will say is the government isn't moving quick enough on the apprenticeship programmes that it promised. Um, you know, that they had actually promised that there would be retrofit centres of excellence uh, in Cork ETB and in Mayo. Um, they were promised in 2020 and they still haven't, uh, you know, come on board. Certainly by the end of January, they weren't open. So I think that, you know, there could be a greater focus on that. But I do think we need to look at what staff are there, what construction workers are there and how we allocate it. Um, and I know that Margie mentioned solar and I think that's an area where actually the government isn't putting enough focus on. Social Democrats have called for a much greater investment and state involvement in the rollout of solar panels because actually you can reduce a home's electricity use by 40% by putting solar panels on. But, you know, to put a solar panel on takes a day. Um, you know, and to get it's ahead not of, cheap. It's usually roughly a day. It, it's not cheap and the grants actually aren't there for it. So that's what we, we would actually, you know, call for the, the government to have much greater investment in it. But it's something that could be rolled out a lot quicker than retrofitting. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, it takes, you know, a day to, to get a, a house done. Um, and it only takes, you know, say two or three uh, roofers with elect- assistance of electricians. So actually what we would want to see is that, that there will be a real uh, focus on rolling those out through estates across the country. And that could help people reduce their energy costs. It would help with emissions and it would also help with our grid because we know that our grid has been very, very insecure. And it would use a lot less staff than retrofitting done because, you know, retrofitting, I've got it done myself, Matt. It, it, it's great when it's done, but it's really expensive. Um, it can take a lot of time. And in some instances, actually, people need to move out of their homes in order to do the real deep retrofits. And of course, now we're in a housing crisis and there isn't even any accommodation that people can move to on a temporary basis to enable them to do it. So, you know, we would really ask governments to, to, to rethink their approach on this and actually look at where the quickest wins 
solutions are and we believe that actually solar is really where the quickest win is at the moment whilst also doing retrofitting but, but not having such uh, I suppose really focusing on, on greater state involvement in the solar because they haven't done that to date. Margie just to finish with you because the research you've released today as you said is in relation to overcoming behavioural barriers so does that mean that rather than appealing to people that you must do this to help save the planet you actually need to encourage them to do things in their home to make their own home lives more comfortable and better. Yes, Matt. I mean, there, there are those of us who, who can both are very keenly um, aware of climate action targets and, and believe it, I think uh, we had a recent study uh, which told us the Irish public are very, very attuned to this and believe that we have to deliver on our climate action targets. But then there's, you know, life and, and, and having to cope with all the various constraints and, and pressures that are on us. Certainly what we're seeing is things like the energy uh, crisis uh, with the invasion of Ukraine last year and, and, and prices uh, being a bit more volatile and, and just people's need for, for home warmth and, and well-being. And as I said, hearing that from their neighbours, they're key drivers to people actually acting on this. Okay. Um, Although it's more something that can, we feel is happening right now, it's still seen as a longer um, target in some people's views, whereas the, the direct cost and, and, and well-being factors are for today, and, and that's certainly influencing people's behaviours, and that's something that we can, we can use within the, the messaging for creating more awareness and more support for people. Margie McCarthy of the SEAI and Jennifer Whitmore of the Social Democrats, thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.